the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go on a Tuesday. Willie Ramirez is here as the company. Ari's running the show on the Finley Toyota Studios. It's Cofield. Big day of football news. Pads go on tomorrow for the Raiders. We'll have a lot of conversation today about the Raiders' offensive line. We got some aces to get into in just a couple minutes. Hometown hero Bryson Stott. We'll talk about him a little bit this hour as well and uh, mix in some NBA towards the end of this hour because we barely got to the whole Durant to the Celtics rumor. So all of that much more on the way. It's the three on Cofield and Company. But as is the case on Cofield and Company, because we're a bunch of mopes, not Willie, uh, we do want to mention one negative note today. And again, this is part of the Mayock Gruden legacy. And, you know, when we played audio from Mike Mayock going on, uh, I forget what podcast it was, saying that. Hey, you know, they were in good shape, and he and Rich Basaccia had them 10 and 7 into the playoffs. And sometimes, you know, owners just want change. This, you know, it's to suggest that Mark Davis was just, and the guy's just unrealistic. Um, again, we're reminded today that one of the Mayock Rudin picks, Damon Arnett, was horrific from the football standpoint, but even worse off the field. He was arrested again in recent days. I don't know what this means. They found a cocaine-like substance during a traffic stop. I'm not going to jump to any conclusions, but having some trouble with the law again, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, Ruggs leading the way, one of the reasons why, in spite of making the playoffs and going 10-7 and seven and showing progress, that Mayock went bye-bye because they made a lot of bad draft picks, and some bad draft picks that actually were very dangerous to Las Vegas as a community. Yeah, and it once again it ha- it stems from I mean th- this dude you know and I let me preface by saying you know uh, <laughs> I still get an occasional mention in my Twitter feed because of an article that I wrote last year during the season uh, because he granted me an exclusive and we talked on the phone quite a bit and he had felt like last season was going to be his turnaround season and. You know, everybody believed in him and, um, you know, it's sort of like a, you know, coming like, wow, I learned my lesson type of thing from a reckless rookie season. And so, of course, people like to slam the author. Well, I mean, here's a guy who was trying to, I, I would assume, you would think, trying to make his life right. But as it turned out, a lot of things unfolded as the season progressed and he yeah. didn't. So, um as we later learned last year, driving has been somewhat of a little bit of an issue for this guy because he had wrecked X amount of rent car, rental, rental cars. He, he wrecked one up the street from the Raiders facility, ran to the facility, left his brother there. That was a complete mess. Um, he's, here um, we are again. He's not getting it. Did you read the details of this one? Yeah, so he got pulled over twice. Twice, yep. Once was for speeding in a gray Dodger Dodge Charger, and that was <laughs> Monday night. By the way, you you read what TMZ wrote. It says Dodger Charger. Yeah, so, yeah, I accidentally yeah. Dodge Charger. I mean, a rushed right, race. Got pulled right. over because he has a suspended license. No surprise with all of his other troubles. Right, and in the first stop, it occurred around eight fifty six last night, and he had been driving on a suspended license. They let him go, issued him a citation, but they let him go because he was with someone who was licensed to go ahead and take over. Yeah, let driving. him drive. Yeah, just let, let him the go. other person drive. Right. Two hours later, pulled over again. He's driving. 
And Arnett's driving again. Arnett's driving again. Uh, roughly four hours later, eight fifty-six Monday, twelve forty-eight Tuesday, and during that stop, they placed him under arrest for driving on the suspended license, but then found a white powdery substance consistent with that of cocaine in his front pants pocket. Now, I had seen a, a tweet from a verified account, I believe, and it said that there was also a straw with it, so that's why it was assumed that, I mean, obviously, you see a package, a baggie, a bindle, whatever, with cocaine, with white powdery substance, you're automatically going to assume that, um, but... I had read somewhere that there was a, a straw with it. So, um, man, I, this is going to say. This, this, there's yeah, there's, real, there's really nothing to say. He can't it keep just, himself out of trouble. He shouldn't be driving. He's got to have friends drive him. And if you got, you know, if you're, if you got coke, you know, on your body, I mean, like, bro, like, when are you gonna? He he actually he has the slightest of shots to turn things around and play in the NFL. The slightest. Like, when is this going to end? And I I I got to tell you the. Probably the worst place to go to now is Florida, where he's from. Right, and that's the worst place to be hanging well, out. One thing, I'm not talking about the state I, I, itself. I'm just saying, going back to your hometown and being around jabronis. Right, and that's that's, that's and, not, that's yeah, not a good thing. Because he went he went to National Power St. Thomas Aquinas. That's where he's from down there in South Florida. So, um, it's just it's such a bad it's just bad. And again, it the, reminds us of the fact that. He went probably 30 or 40 spots of, ahead of where he should have gone in the first round. Damon Arnett arrested again, former Raider. Went 19th in the draft. Shouldn't have gone that high. And then Mayock admits later, he's like, yeah, we knew there were some red flags from a character standpoint. My God. And you reach for him at 19 and you knew he had character issues. And now this stuff keeps happening and he's probably done in the NFL for any time in the near future. Uh, good story. You know, we have a lot of basketball royalty in town. I didn't get to double check. Is LeBron over at Bishop Gorman today? Because Bryce and Bronny are playing in town. Shaq's kid, a little bit older. Sharif got a cup of coffee in the Summer League with the Lakers Summer League team here in Vegas. It looks like he's now been signed to our G League team in Henderson. Yep. We've got a G League Ignite. It's mostly uh, young prospects, high school guys, a couple years out of college. Sharif O'Neal will be playing. No contract details. Just says contract in excess of six figures. As it should be. You look at me like I'm wrong. Uh, well, if I were a WNBA player and I was getting paid what players in the WNBA get, I would be mad about Sharif O'Neal getting a six-figure deal. Well, well, then they should. You know what? Then I guess the WNBA players better start getting mad at all the NIL deals that are that are going out to college kids. Are they going to college women? Some, yeah, Cavender uh, twins. Uh, um, what's what's the? I can't think of her name off uh, Paige uh, Buchers, uh, isn't it? From Buckers, yeah, yeah. What is it? Buckers. Buckers. Let me not mumble that because it could sound like something else. Miss Minnesota, Miss Minnesota basketball. I don't know if they have that. I know they got Mister Minnesota, but I mean, well, I'm just Phil, Willie. I'm talking about on the pro level. Okay, women in the WNBA yes. are capping out of what two forty something like that, and many of them are making in the hundred thousand to two hundred thousand yes. dollar range. Right, Sharif O'Neal is going to make some. I mean, it could be a hundred one thousand dollars. I have no idea what a six figure deal half a million is, dollars. but if it's a half a million, oh boy. Well, That's they, interesting. The, the thing is, is here's the thing: you cannot. I, I get what you're saying, and, and, see, and, look, I, and, and I've WNBA been WNBA to NBA is tough. No, it is, but WNBA to G League though. Yeah. Well, but but again, I I'm not likening it to that. I'm likening it to 
G League versus college. Okay, so okay, so how about this? Go to college and get an NIL deal. He's going to make three, four hundred thousand dollars off his name, his face. He was already in college. He made, but, he made nothing because he can't play. But what I'm talking about, I'm saying, I'm just using an, in a general state, not Sharif O'Neal. Uh, whether you're in the G League, the college right now. Money is going to athletes, whether they're in college, the G League. Really, but we're talking about professional basketball in town. Okay. There are WNBA women yes. who have been in the league for a long time yep. who may be making the same this season and next season as Sharif O'Neal. That's right. Who they should be scored mad. 97 points in college. I mean, listen, it, it's it, maybe this will sell tickets, so it's worth it for the Ignite. I hope the kid turns into a good player. Now, in his defense, he had a serious heart issue. Yeah, you know, he wound up going from UCLA to LSU, and he he just you know he's he's clearly not his dad. He's a big kid. He's got some upside. But I'll, all I was saying is, if I was a WNBA player and I'm making 100 and you know 40 grand for the year, and I find out that Sharif O'Neal might be making the same salary to play in the G League as I am in the WNBA, I'd be like, wow, okay, I still think we need to work on salaries in this women's league. I agree with you 100. percent But you but when you said <laughs> when you said when you Annette, when you said he could be making it, you were t- talking about six figures and I said as it should be you looked at me like I was wrong and your argument was about WNBA I agree with both he should be making it considering who he is and considering the money that they're going to make off this kid with his name. And apparel. Okay. I don't care what you tell me, but yes, the W. I've been on the W. Okay, you already know if you, that. If you can make a case for, uh, you know, Sharif is going to be a merchandising Absolutely. guy, and it'll be it'll help sell They're tickets. And sell that I, alone, you'll be out there. Then I then I get it. Are you kidding me? I can't wait for Steve Cofield to be then named the thing play by play guy for the ignite. Then I, probably not. Um, <laughs> so I sound like a white knight, right? Like uh, you know, coming to the defense of women. Yes. And then we've got. Liz Cambage. We've got it. Liz Cambage. I feel like we were just here a few months ago talking to WNBA experts, multiple experts, uh, Maggie Hendricks, Cindy Brunson, mm-hmm. and we played that audio from the Aussie talk show about how much they hate Liz. And I remember saying at the time, I'm like, she's not going to make it through the season. You did. And you bet me. I did not bet you, dude. Damn it! You didn't. I, I, I you can't didn't. Even... That was that was one of those. I presented a bet, and you looked at me, and you're like, "No, I'm not taking the yes. She will finish the season because I wanted to know." And listen, well, I don't know if there's something wrong with her. She has claimed in the past to have mental health issues. I think it. By the way, it's it's very serious if you claim to have mental health issues and you don't. That's not good. I'm not saying I know what her deal is. I just knew at the beginning of the year. That there was a good shot, the Sparks wouldn't be good, she would grow disinterested, or her teammates would grow to dislike her. You texted me the other day, and I have no idea if this is for the air, but you texted me the other day. Okay. You're showing me a video, but you texted me the other day before the Sparks and the Aces that they were missing a bunch of players, and Liz appeared to be yawning in the warm-up line. Yeah. No, well, just she was... They don't do... Not the warm up line. It was before the warm up where they come out and do their their layups and everything. When she came back out, they all they were fired up. They, right. She was she was. They come out. They all have a designated time that they come and do their warm ups. Their their one on one warm ups with an assistant coach whoever's working with them. And the video I was just happening to show you, she came over to sat down sit down and catch up with me. And I said, hey, let's say hi to the followers on the gram. And she ended up kissing me on the bald head, which I didn't expect to happen. You guys are tight. You should have better. No, 
And so, then this morning it was announced that uh, yeah, so, mutual parting so, of the ways, uh, okay, Liz so Cambage, big 6'8 player, let me who's answer. been very controversial, is now gone from the Sparks. Yes, she is. And I'm going to tell you the two short. I talked to two people today invo- that are very close with the L.A. Sparks, one with the Sparks, and another that was with an L.A. Spark when they left Vegas. Okay? Um but yes, to, to go back to, yes, she was yawning while she was after every little workout. She, she just looked tired and winded. But then she played well in the game. As a matter of fact, even though the Aces won that game by double digits. It was actually a lot closer. <laughs> three quarters. I was like, okay, they've got seven players in uniform, and the Aces are the ones at times looking a little bit out of sync, no chemistry, when you got your top three-point shooter, who's number three in the league, Lexi Brown, and Chanae Ogumike sitting on the bench, not to mention you're already missing people like Ray Burrell. They're, they're, they're shorthanded. So, anyway, from my sources, Liz did not leave Las Vegas with the team. She left. Where she went and how she got home, she did on her own. So, so she to, pulled an Urban Meyer. That she not she, all the other stuff with Urban Meyer. She didn't go back to L.A. with the team. I believe it was right after the game. Now, I have spoken to several people. Mm-hmm. Liz and the Sparks are fine. There has nothing to do with the players themselves. The person, the one person that I did speak with, involved directly involved with the Sparks. That Their comment this morning, I said, hey, just reaching out since I just saw you guys, just sat with Liz before the game. Is she okay? Because, yes, as you say, you can never judge and call someone out on their mental health. If they're saying that they have mental health issues and they're a fraud, then be damned them. But we know that Liz has gone through some stuff because when she was here, it was chronicled and documented by Limbeer. Whether if they were, I guess, or, or we're going to call all the members of the Aces liars. But that person said, "I don't know. It's not my place to say, but I will tell you that I'm worried about her." So right. there's that, which 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 ties into her not leaving with the team because okay, that means that that person hasn't heard from her. So the only thing that I've gotten from a from a player coach standpoint is this is also a team that started the season with a brand new Ross in a sense all new faces right they struggled through they fired Derek Fisher which I don't think it was his fault they're they're trying to build chemistry someone on a national level tweeted out uh sources are telling me that it's chemistry issues have been brewing since May her brand manager Quote tweeted that, Lex Robinson from local here, and said, that's not the issue, which it's not. And the chemistry issues that have been brewing since May with the Sparks are because there were brand new players on the team that they were... Derek Fisher told me that on the record at a post-game press conference in the first meeting. He said, yeah, we got to build the chemistry because they're all brand new players. Liz, in my understanding from an outside source, but knows the Sparks well, knows the players... Liz just couldn't adapt to the system. It was frustrating her, the new coach, and it just just wasn't working. But it could tie into whatever's going through. Now, that ties into – I'm not denying anything that you're saying that drama follows her. But whatever the case is, it had nothing to do with her dissension with because they were laughing. They were, to, they were in sync with one another before the game, during the game, after the game. She just didn't leave with them. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Pitch is lined out toward right field. It's deep. Acuna's going back. It's gone! The Phillies take the lead! 
now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Man, someone's got to help the Phillies. That was the Phillies uh, TV. Tom McCarthy on the call. Hometown hero, Bryson Stott, local guy. Vegas, uh, check that UNLV guy. Now with the Phillies, still not hitting for average, but he's shown plus power, especially for a middle infielder. And that was a big game yesterday. You know, the uh, the Braves are reeling a little bit with injuries, and the Phillies have just been crap going into that game. I think they lost 7-10, to 10, so it would help them a lot. If you're looking at an August and September where, you know, Bryson Stott's hitting 250 with some pop until Bryce Harper comes back. And we heard from Nick Castellanos, who was getting all snippy with a reporter yesterday, like, stop fighting reporters, you know, get out there and, and hit, dude. I mean, you got a five-year, $100 million deal, so the Phillies need all the help they can get. Meanwhile, on the Braves side, well, you know I love play-by-play. We'll get into uh, Raiders hire a play-by-play guy today for radio, too. We'll get into that later. But you know I love play-by-play and the art of play-by-play. Not mm-hmm. that I do it, but I love listening to it. I grew up on radio and play-by-play. Yeah. The Braves announcer, one of the things I always have a problem with is hometown announcers assuming they're only doing the game for the most hardcore local fans who are babies. This is this is the actual call where Stott hits the home run, and Chip Carey is like, I'm not going to talk. I'm mad. Swing and a shot hammered to right field, and Acuna says goodbye. All right, there you go. I suppose there's an art to that. You want to catch, capture what the crowd is doing, but come on. Don't sulk. You lost a game. Give me a break. Thanks to the Braves and their TV team, led by Chip Carey. And I want Bryson to, Stott. Bryson Stott. Who, who, power. Who, who, who you mentioned, the Phillies, they've lost 7 of 10, but in that 10-game stretch, Bryson is doing his job. And by the way, he was like the first rookie to hit uh, to have five ribbies in a game since 2017. Hey, there was a couple of milestones in that. I was listening to uh, Keisha, or the early morning show, Keyshawn J. Will and Max, and every rejoin was that call, the 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 the, the Phillies call, and uh, Max talking about Bryson Stott throughout the morning. But over the last ten games, Bryson Stott, Desert Oasis product and UNLV All American, he's hitting 314, slugging 686. He smacked three homers, four doubles, scored seven times. He's doing his job. And you know what? He had a defensive gem the other day, and the call on that was fantastic. Just say, you know, um, he's he's finally got his shot. We've talked about this before. Is You know, the beginning of the season, it wasn't necessarily Joe Girardi's fault because he had, you know, what's he going to do when he has quality players up the middle? And you, and you, you give the kid a, a break, he gets his debut. But then he goes back down to the minors. Then he comes back up. The inconsistency of being in the lineup. Well, now with the consistency because of a banged-up lineup, Bryson Stott is having for a rookie, he's having a heck of a rookie season. You know, it's not been consistent like you'd like to see, but what you're see- the flashes of brilliance you're seeing from Bryson Stott are what you're going to see for years to come 
as he continues. And I've been on record of saying this, and I'm going to say it. Every time we talk about him, Bryson Stott has power at the plate. He will be a consistent bat. But what he will go down for when he retires, he will have multiple gold gloves because that kid is fantastic in the field. He will be a gold glove winner. Giveaway time at Allegiant. Got a big show coming up. Ticketmaster.com is where you can get your tickets. Saturday, August 6th. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Call her 7364-1100-364-1100. Red Hot Chili Peppers, August 6th. Uh, that's a Saturday. Allegiant Stadium. Ticketmaster.com. By the way, the schedule is starting to get crowded at Allegiant in the fall, sort of right before the fall. We'll get into the reported fight. Mm. Wow. Floyd could be coming back for a fight at Allegiant. But before that, let's get to what went down at Raiders camp. Talk a little more offensive line as uh, Brandon Parker had some things to say about expectations. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. All I know is to sit down and order a meal. I don't know how to make a restaurant. No, uh, not for you. It's just a place to hang. You know, I mean, the chef is great. You got to and shows are good. It's a lot of who's coming in here all the time. I like to help you out. Look, what, what do you want from me? What am I going to do? You understand? You want me to be your partner? Yeah. That's what you're trying to tell me. You want me to be partner? It's Cofield and Company. Now the guy's got Paulie as a partner. But now the guy's got to come up with Paulie's money every week, no matter what. Business bad? F- you, pay me. Oh, you had a fire? F- you, pay me. And as soon as the deliveries are made in the front door, you move the stuff out the back and sell it at a discount. And then finally, when there's nothing left, f***ing shame. When you can't borrow another buck from the bank or buy another case of booze, you bust the joint out. You light a match. And there it goes, up in flames. Good fellas. Paul Sorvino. Come on. We keep losing these guys. Yeah, Sorvino at the beginning there, and the Paulie being referenced by Ray Liotta, who passed away like two months ago. Yeah. Of course, it was the Paulie character. The boss in Goodfellas. And yeah. That's, gonna, a, that's actually, that was a beautiful scene of how organized crime moves in and partners with you. We were just talking about this off the air the other day about going back and watching The Sopranos because uh, Paulie Walnuts passed away. And, you know, it was around the episodes where Tony's trying to get in on his friend's restaurant after they had burned it down. Right. Yeah. And, and the wife the wife uh, of Artie Buca was like, what are you doing? You're going to get in bed with these guys. You know what's going to happen in the restaurant. Yeah. They're going to take it over. Yeah, there yeah. you go from, from lot, Goodfellas. A lot of bust outs. A lot of bust we outs. We got to get Bacala on. I would he just he just came on in season two of The Sopranos. I was thinking of you know because I know you talked to him. We got to get him on in the next like three weeks. I mean not not to be morbid, but this is this is ridiculous. And listen, all these guys were older actors, so eventually you know they're going to pass away. But it's just been one after the other after that. Enough. I got to try. I got to try. I got to push. I got to press, but I got to be careful too. You know, I don't know what he's got going. But I text him. He'll he'll text back. When I did text him after Tony Sirico passed, he texted the. Like the next day, just think. I'm sure his phone was blown up, right? Um, but yeah, I saw that yesterday, and it was it, it immediately turned into. At some point tonight, I'm throwing it on, whether I can stay up to watch the entire thing. But that's <laughs> it's so you know, good. it's uh, you got you got to watch it. You got and and the thing is, is three of the four that passed were are in that movie. Ray Liotta, Tony Sirico, and Paul Servino are all in that. A lot of people don't realize they because you glance over it. I mean, you think of Tony Sirico, Polly Walnuts. You picture the white wings across his head, but 
in in uh, in Goodfellas, his hair was slicked back really tight to the head. And if you remember at the beginning when Ray Liotta is still narrating and he's young, the young Henry Hill, and they're talking about the cab stand and different, uh, you know, when when he when he would uh, do errands and his parents were happy that he got a job and so on and so forth. Um, there was the scene where the guy pulls up in the car and he comes out and Tootie's out in front and he walks up and, and one guy comes behind him, puts him in a little bit of headlock and there's a guy kind of giving him rib shots and punching him in the stomach and then Paulie, Paul Servino, he walks up to the door with this cigar and he kind of just looks with this stoic look, looks at everybody, everybody stops. Hey, Paulie, how you doing? Hey, Paulie. And then Paulie walks back in and he and Tony Sirico looks at Tootie and goes, your fault. No, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. I'll blame it on one another because they're joking around. He doesn't want that mess. None of that nonsense. Right, was, and he that, played, that character was kind of the uh, yeah. the gentleman, gentlemanly yeah. mobster. Yeah, and he right? was not yeah. not looking at all for pub, right? Low key, like, like you see in the movies, and that's the way a lot of the bosses were. Right, he was low key. We don't, you know, and, uh, the they great, don't want to be out there. The great thing, and, and I always loved when Larry, when Ray Liotta was narrating, he said, "Polly didn't move fast, or Polly didn't move fast. Polly didn't move for anybody." And they had there's the scene right where. Um, the different scenes all spliced together over the narration, but where Tootie's running in the rain and Henry Hill's running behind him with the umbrella, they knock on the door, talk to to Polly, then go to a payphone. The other one where they're in the backyard eating the sausage and peppers, and uh, and Tootie goes up to Polly, whispers in the ear, and it's all with head nods, no phones, no nothing. Head nods and whispers for the big boss. So a couple of notes from Raiders camp today. Uh, Jonathan Abram back out there. It's interesting. I was listening to uh, Vic Tafer from the Athletic on Q show. Getting ready for our show. And uh, Vic threw out there that he doesn't think Abram is going to start. That Theron Harmon has been brought in to be the starter. I don't disagree. That's going to be a battle to follow. And then there's the offensive line battle. Uh, in the 4 o'clock hour, we're going to hear from Brandon Parker. He's going to talk about his awareness of like you know the pressure that's on the line and the fact that people bang on that line all the time. One big NFL note today, if he has anything left in the tank, and I think he will oh. because he's matched up with one of the all-time greats, yep. Julio Jones has now signed with the Buccaneers. Can virtually guarantee you he'll be – a cooperative soldier. He won't be a horse's ass like Antonio Bryant. I always get his name wrong. Antonio Brown. Antonio Bryant's another NFL receiver. Antonio Brown was a year ago, a year ago when he walked off. So, again, Julio Jones, all-time great wide receiver, signs with the Buccaneers. So, TB12 has another weapon. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Everything we've talked about for the past several years with this team that's been to multiple Eastern Conference Finals. They've done it the hard way. Now you're telling me you're going to package up the heart and soul? Jalen Brown's the attitude of this team. Marcus Smart was the heart of this team. I'm not then going to let that go in return for Kevin Durant. And I don't know how it's going to affect the way Jason Tatum is even leading the core of this team. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Do it, Willie. Everyone's fired up today. Everyone's fired up today. Jay Will saying they shouldn't break up the Celtics. Ari during the break just said he doesn't give an F about the clock. So we shouldn't mention the clock anymore. Ari's fired it's, up. He's very fired up today. Yeah. You're fired up. I'm, yeah. We got breaking fight news that we're going to get to. Someone is fighting at Allegiant on September 3rd. I don't know who it's going to be. Someone is. But let's get into that talk we just heard on the ESPN National Morning Show. And Durant, a lot of NBA, Harrison Sanford. 
is a uh, host for ESPN Radio National, host of Inside the Green Room, host of Call to the Booth, betting correspondent for MSG Networks. He's got a lot of jobs. What's up, Harrison? How are you? I am doing well. I am doing well. I'm doing a lot better than Caleb Brown, for sure. Yeah, it's a weird one. It's a, it's a weird one, isn't it? Uh, what do you think of what uh, Jason Williams said? Because I'm kind of with him. I don't. Kevin Durant is freaking awesome. I don't know that I want to break up the core of the Celtics group. Yeah, I, I don't really understand. I understand if you're Brad Stevens, you have to make the call. But considering the team went to the NBA Finals, and you have probably but a 7- to 10-year window if Jalen Brown re-ups when his contract is up in two years, I just don't see why the Celtics should do that. I'm young enough to remember when there was this trade rumor that the Warriors should trade Clay Thompson for Kevin Love because they did it. They, they thought Kevin Love would make them more ready-made. Oh boy. There's value in developing your talent and bringing them to the finish line, not just from keeping the team cost-controlled, but also I think fans just like it more that way when they can cheer on the guys that they also drafted. So I don't think the investment is worth it. If it was a one-for-one, maybe, but then you're talking about Marcus Smart. You're talking about other draft picks. It just doesn't seem to make sense. And frankly, I think the Celtics – are really risking ruining team chemistry, even trying to make that move. Am I crazy for thinking that the Nets are going to look at the market, ask for a lot, and this could still end up with trying to put a Band-Aid on the whole freaking thing and Durant's back with Brooklyn? Yeah, I think that's the way, I, I think that's the way it's going to play out. Yeah. I don't think anybody right. can beat their price. I, yeah. The only way I see it changing is if KD pulls a James Harden, pulls a Ben Simmons, and kind of just really becomes a a nuisance to have a locker room, but everything we've seen from KD, we don't envision him to be that guy. I don't, I don't think KD can be that person. So I think he ends up with the Nets and they play it out again. Kobe requested a trade from the Lakers too. And he ended up finishing his career with the Lakers. So that's the way I see it playing out. Do you have some clarity on the reason KD wants out? Is it Kyrie? Is it not Kyrie? And like, can, can they bring him back and Kyrie's there and we just move forward? I think they could move forward because, again, I think Kyrie has a lot to prove, right? Because he he's a free agent after this year. He's going to want a deal. I think that's why he came out and said he wants to go back to Brooklyn, whether it's with KD or not. I think that's part of the reason why. And I think with Kevin Durant, he's 34 years old. He's played, I think, 90 games in the last three years. I think that man just wants to hoop. So I think eventually it works out. Um, if Ben Simmons can come back and be a, a version of the better version of himself, I think they're still competitive, and I think that's what they're going to have to just settle for. Uh, but again, it's the NBA, so who knows? Who knows what might happen within the next week? Speaking with Harrison Sanford, ESPN Radio National National host Harrison. So, um, speaking about the NBA, speaking about LeBron James, we just talked about him. Uh, his sons are out here for the big time tournament, but we recently saw him in the Drew League. Did you uh, go out to the Drew League? I wanted to, but I ended up hosting that night. I talked to a couple of colleagues who uh, they was crowded. LeBron show, um, maybe enough. All right, we'll try to get a clean line with Harrison Sanford from ESPN Radio National. So those videos, the the Drew League was intriguing because of the fact that. So many NBA players showed up and actually played like DeMar DeRozan yep. to kind of pay back his home market. And 
LeBron James was there. And then we saw interesting video of LeBron like into the games enough that he's arguing with the officials. Harrison, you were starting to talk about uh, at least hearing about what was going on at the Drew League. I thought the whole thing was fascinating that you got NBA players. And I know it has a history of getting some NBA guys, but for LeBron to be out there, I thought it was incredible. Yeah, I thought it was incredible, too, because if you think about the fact as well, where's Russell, Russell Westbrook from? He's from L.A. He grew up fantasizing about the Lakers. He always talks about his roots being in L.A. And imagine the reception if Russell Westbrook would have went to the Drew League. Totally different. And I think it's kind of showing how much uh, LeBron has taken over the marketplace, taken over Laker fandom, and juxtapose that to where Westbrook is viewed among Laker fans. It's, it's like a 180. Uh, very interesting. Uh, very interesting when you consider that factor and how much LeBron has kind of taken over the marketplace. While Westbrook is, man, his stock couldn't be any lower. And I saw some video. That was two weeks ago. I saw some video on a close friend from the pro women's circuit. She was out there watching this past weekend. I believe Trey Young was at the Drew League this past weekend. Yeah, Trey Young was there with his teammate uh, Jason Collins. Uh, Trey Young put on the show. Collins, not so much. He got he was a part of the show. He got put on a poster, and they ended up losing the game. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so mm-hmm. I was, hey, listen, if you're going to go to the Drew League, if you're going to play against semi-pros on, on that type of scale, you better win. <laughs> and and that's not uh, what Trey Young and uh, Collins were able to do this past weekend. Let me ask you real quick, because it's interesting you brought up Jay Call, because I, you know, when he came out here for the Summer League a few years ago for his rookie season, this was before the pandemic, man. He really opened some eyes. A lot of people thought that he was going to emerge and become bigger than what he has been. And I still think he has the potential. It's a matter of, you know, where it is, if he's either stuck, sort of stuck in the mud, spinning wheels, or if he, you know, if he needs a new environment. Um, he's always been a really nice guy. I mean, I've had him on the air. Um, he's very personable when I've seen him at the Summer League. What, what do you make of the, you know, the, first several years of his career and what needs to happen to sort of bring him out of his shell. Jason Collins? Yes. Yeah, I well, I I don't know, man. It's it's interesting because the way the, the offense is set up for the Atlanta Hawks is really Trey Young oriented. And so he's pretty much always going to be the secondary or tertiary type of player in that system. It really prioritizes guys who can handle the ball then you have Clint Capella uh finishing at the rim. So I I think he's kind of stuck in Atlanta with his role. Like if he's happy with being a tertiary option, I think that's where he's going to have to be. He's going to have to pride himself more on the defensive side of the ball and he can make something of it. But again, I think that's where his pretty much he's capped out there. He got his money. He got paid for, he got paid a decent contract. So I think he could be happy with it. But Atlanta, man, I, they had a disappointing year last year coming off of going to the Eastern conference finals. And you, you get swept by the Miami Heat. You got to do better than that, and I think that's what the trade would for Dejounte Murray is hopefully going to do for them. Going back to the Celtics, if they don't make the move for Durant, they're clearly a top three team in the East. Who is the favorite? Have the Sixers done enough? You know, reducing Harden's salary, maybe getting through to him about getting in shape, and then adding some key pieces. Are the Sixers better? Yeah, uh, no. And I spent the last two years covering the Sixers and. I think they got deeper, adding P.J. Tucker. Danny, Danny Green is going to be out for the majority of the year, so they got DeAnthony Melton. They got, uh, they got House in, Daniel House in there. But to be honest with you, end of the day, it comes down to how good can the main players play when it really matters. 
Joel Embiid, as great as he is, he just never healthy when it really matters. And James Harden, as good as he can be at times, there are going to be defenders in the Eastern Conference that are going to be able to shut him down, whether it's Drew Holiday uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks, whether you look at the Brooklyn Nets and Ben Simmons, I think Ben can guard him very well, whether they play the Miami Heat uh, and it's Jimmy Butler, or whether you look at the Boston Celtics and it's Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. So when, when, when rubber hits the road with James Harden, I don't think he can be the guy that they want him to be, which means you really put a lot more emphasis on Joel Embiid to be that guy. And again, as great as he is, he's always hurt when it really matters. So uh, I think they'll have a great regular season. I think they'll definitely get out the first round. But once you get that second-round matchup and they play maybe the Bucks or the Celtics, I don't know if they can get past those teams, as good as they'll be in the regular season. By the way, you covered the Sixers for a couple of years. I'm pretty familiar with Philly. I have a brother who actually lives on uh, South Street for like 25 years now. Why are they moving to the fashion district? I love that the plan is like 10 years from now, but I saw a lot of the reaction from Philly people were like, yeah, this sucks. We can't get to the games. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It is in the middle of the city. I think, I think a lot of NBA teams, a lot of ownership groups, are very envious of what Joe Lakeup and the Golden State Warriors are able to do with the Chase Center. Hmm. They are printing money, <laughs> and because they're printing money, they are able to put they're able to pay for guys like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Dre, Draymond Green. They'll be able to pay Andrew Wiggins. Whenever Jordan Poole needs that extension, they'll be able to pay it because they're making so much uh, money from their owning that arena. And I think that is where the Sixers are kind of factoring it in their decision. How much can getting a new arena help them in terms of being able to afford their team and maybe, as the Warriors have done, outspend other teams? So let me ask you this, Harrison. Um, Thurl Bailey, ex-NBA star, jazz analyst, he says Donovan Mitchell is a superstar already. Is already hmm. and should be considered one. Your thoughts? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no way. Not at all. Not, I, I, you have to. Be, he has to be a better defender. He has to be a better playmaker. He has to. Re, he has to rebound the ball better. The idea that they lost to the Dallas Mavericks when Luka was out for those first two games yep. said everything that we needed to know. The fact that he couldn't connect with a brilliant lob threat in Rudy Gobert, it, it says everything that we need to know. He is an all-star level player, a fine player, but he is not a superstar by any means. And I like Donovan Mitchell, but he can't guard anybody, and he doesn't play make. So he's really just a one-way star. Granted, what he does well, what he does, he does it well, but he doesn't do everything else well enough to be in that category. Just not going to happen. Can't say it. Where does he end up next season? I think he ends up on the Knicks. I think eventually Danny Ainge gets the price that he wanted from the New York Knicks. I think the Knicks are the one team that it does make sense for them. Granted, I don't think it takes them to the upper tier of the Eastern Conference. I think it then again sets the standard for them to get there. For example, we look back at the Brooklyn Nets, and they had that, D'Angelo Russell, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen team. And they were, and I remember Jared Dudley was even there. And I remember they were competitive. They weren't great, but they were competitive. And that set the stage for Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant to come over there. So I think for the Knicks, you have to set the stage so that it looks appealing for another player that's even better than Donovan Mitchell to get there. And I think getting Donovan Mitchell helps them do that. Tell us about uh, the podcast with the 
current and former athletes, Danny Green, inside the green room, and also call to the booth with Aqib Talib. Oh, well, working with Danny has been great. I've known him for a long time now. We're working on, I think we started the podcast when he moved to the Toronto Raptors. Uh, so now he's actually rehabbing his torn ACL and LCL. Um, unfortunately, an unfortunate injury that happened at the that game six when they lost the Miami Heat. But he'll be with the Memphis Grizzlies next year, so I'm excited about that. John Morant's a, a spectacular player. So we'll wrap up the show uh, when basketball season starts. And then I've been working with Aqib for the past two years. Uh, it's been great. He's told me so much about football, but he's on to bigger and better, man. You'll see him Thursdays on uh, Amazon Prime doing the studio show for the Thursday Night Football Games. Happy to see that for him, and I'm very happy that he's taught me about the sport of football because I am excited to put down some bets, and I'm excited to win my fantasy football league this season. Thanks to him. There you go. There you go. I assume on both shows you definitely spoke about non-sports stuff at times. I wanted to run our, our final two questions that we, uh, we at least today's final two questions we're giving our guests. I don't know if you saw the story, but uh, the Today Show, Savannah Guthrie and Hoda apparently hate each other. Like hate each other, and there's been some weird subtweets. Could you do a podcast or a radio show with someone you hate? Ooh, yes. Okay. Yes, I think you. I think you can because uh, argument arguments are good, especially if they're organic. Mm. Uh, as long as there's no struggle for control, I can't hate somebody, but as long as we understand the assignment. <laughs> I think we're still good. You can still, you know, you could you could not get along with your wife, but you can still take care of the kids. Yep. So I think I think I could make that work for sure. It's funny. I would love for someone to write about the greatest, you know, sports radio and and morning shows and radio history and how many of them at some point during the show's tenure the host didn't talk during breaks. Like that actually I don't yeah. want to get you in trouble with ESPN National, but that was the the story with that was the story with Greeny and Golic. Yeah. And now Golic, I, I swear, has a story out every week about the the breakup and so somehow they coexist. All right. The other very important question, this is from a couple of weeks back. I know everyone addressed this one. What I want Harrison Sanford on ESPN Las Vegas to answer this. When you do cereal, cereal first or the milk first? Oh. <laughs> this is a heated debate. Oh. Heated debate. No, I don't I I, I, I know it is funny because uh, I brought up this. I had that same discussion. The same discussion must have been well four years ago when I started the show with Danny. Okay, um, it's definitely a hundred percent milk. It's really? always milk first. Oh my! Because wow. you don't want the cereal to get soggy. I have no problem going in and getting more cereal to add to the top of the milk. But if you put the cereal in first, mm. then you might you you might not you might make the the cereal material too soggy. You put the cereal on top, and you can keep refreshing the cereal. I'd rather have fresh cereal than soggy cereal. I'll I'll give you that's one. That's my solution. I'll give you one that stymied this show. One of our hosts tried to start up the discussion: Why is cereal not considered soup? And my mind was blown. I basically, after like twenty-seven years on the air, my I locked up. I was like, I don't know. But isn't soup always hot? No, no, it, that's a thing because there's a the cold potato soup. Yeah, that's a that's a, that's oh, actually a delicacy. Yeah, like yeah. everyone thinks they have a quick comeback, and you're like, oh my god, I don't have an answer for this. I got to think about it. <laughs> Harrison, that's thank a, well, you. Well, we're not mixing vegetables with our cereals. So I know, right? That. There you go. Thank you so much. You've uh, we've been listening to ESPN Radio National, doing a great job, and we want you on down the road. Thanks for uh, stepping up for us today. Take care, guys. There is Harrison Sanford doing a bunch of different podcasts and shows. We'll come back four o'clock hours on the way. Football Insider, Pro Football Talk, Miles Simmons on Kyler Murray and his homework.